proud to present Beer Radio that turns ordinary homebrew into award-winning beer. The Jameel Show. And now, your hosts, Jameel Zainashef and John Plisse. Good evening, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. I'm here with my uh, Bruin compatriots, my uh, Cajun brother, Johnny Plisse. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, California Homebrew of the Year. And uh, you did pretty damn well in the uh, Nationals, too. As, taking, as did you. Kick, kicking some ass, taking some names. Yeah. Uh, pretty you pretty sw- impressive uh, range of uh, awards there. The good news about those beers is they were my re- most recent brews. That is good news. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah, that's the good news. Yeah. Only always, one was over a year old. Because <laughs> uh, otherwise, you know, you think, uh, well, maybe maybe I'm not going in the right direction. You know, right. if, if, you know. Your brewing's going downhill. Exactly. Like mine. <laughs> like mine is. Yeah. My, mine's going downhill. I saw you uh, swept the uh, sour ales. Yeah, I think there were three entries. <laughs> I, don't I had five. <laughs> yeah, entries, okay. and uh, out of the three, hmm. and somehow I swept uh, swept the category. It's competitive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. No. I think uh, <laughs> there was at least one other brewer, and uh, yeah, somehow I swept that that category. Well, there's a lot of Jay Z in that category. There, there, you, there you, you go. go. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think my my beers were pretty good in that category. Mm. I, at least one of them I thought was well worthy, and the others were acceptable. You know, oh, I just think okay. they were really great. Yeah, I, and I, again, it was a lightly entered category. I think there were maybe eight entries in that category. Wow! So you know, my three did did well. Okay, you know, <laughs> the eight entries. What about your recent brews? Did any of those place or? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which ones? I can't recall. Okay. Well, you had a few, so it's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, some of them did. So some of them did well. The the ones the the oldest ones that did well were the uh, the Bach beers. Oh, sure. So I had like a ice Bach and a traditional Bach, and both are like you know four or five years wow. old or whatever. Yeah, they've been sitting around. I'm like, hey, I'll, either it's I'll enter them or throw them away, and, and they know. did well. So, uh, yeah, you know, they they did did all right, and. Uh, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to second round of the Nationals, going out to Denver. It's a close call. Yeah, we'll be out there. Does did well. Yeah, we yeah. did. We did. Yeah. They stepped up. Quite a respectable showing around this area. Oh, yeah. St. Paul yeah. and Quaff, though. Look out. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's a, a lot of points there going oh, on. Oh, my God. The Homebrew Club of the Year is what we're talking about yeah, for yeah. the uh, National Homebrew Competition. And if you go out to uh, beertown.org, uh, they have uh, the whole thing on the on the conference. You go out to the conference. I tell you, somebody was on one of the forums asking, "What would you go to the uh, NHC, the National Homebrew Conference, or the um, GABF, the Great American Beer Festival?" Great American Beer Festival is nice, and if you've never been, you know, you'd want to go once. But if I had to choose between the two. I'd always go to oh, yeah. the, the NHC because oh, yeah. there's, you know, as many great beers there. Well, maybe not as many, but there's more than you can drink great beers that right. you can drink there. Plus, you know, foods and, uh, you know, all the club members and the yeah, sessions homebrew. and stuff. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Absolutely one of the greatest times of my life. Since I went to my first one, I haven't missed one ever, ever since. How many years now? 
I don't know. The first one was in Texas, where the Morbier guys... Six uh, years ago. Yeah, took us out uh, on a little excursion there, and for some reason they picked up my tab, too. Huh. Or, you know, at least, uh, you know, part of my tab, and, you know, it was great. <laughs> Just half of it, yeah. I, yeah it they paid for, like, the flight and the conference, and, you know, it was, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was very generous of them. I, I was very touched. And then, then the year after, I think you won an Ninkasi. Or two years after, uh, a couple of years after, I don't know. I, but in Texas, that was the the first time I won a like a medal in the second round, and that's when you got the my, all my Quaff brothers and sisters there with me. Oh, it was incredible! It was just the, the most uh, wonderful feeling. I I loved it. Was that the first or second year your Quaff Quaff Club won? I think it was the second, uh, right? Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's I been know. six years now. Yeah, I don't really pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's cool, well, yeah. but it it really isn't that critical to right. uh, yeah. anything. Is you know, it's a lot of fun, and yeah, yeah. you know, we take a lot of pride in it. But it's not really, you know, that you important. Said, you just have it. a lot of great brewers. That's what yeah, it is. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Well, right. Doze does too. Doze did. Oh yeah, did really well. did very well. Glad to see my Doze brothers and sisters doing well. Yeah, you know, the other day, I was thinking, you know, I must be Scottish. Yeah, because of your because <laughs> of my last name. Yeah. No, McZanishev. McZanishev. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I I I swear I must be Scottish. Okay, so I I really love Scottish ales. And I down in uh, at the Mayfair, I entered the Mayfair this year, which I I hadn't for a couple of years. But I went ahead and entered this year. Good for I you. swept the Scottish ales category. Yeah, and uh, you know I I really love those Scottish ales. Mm. And I, I, I've been to Scotland. I really love Scotland. I really enjoy that. Uh, I even enjoy haggis. I, I, I love, uh, you know, I love deep fried foods. You know, yeah. You know, deep fried monkey. I eat it. Mm. You know, I, you know, that's Grease. the place where they deep fry like you know candy bars and stuff. Whoa. Yeah, and I actually have a little deep fryer. You know, the other night I was deep frying some wings. Uh, you know, just just great. So, <laughs> so deep fried foods. I uh, really find women with the uh, you know uh, with grease all over them with the uh, light uh. light complexion the red hair right. you know uh, I I find that quite attractive That's you know I, I tell you I'm Scottish I gotta be you gotta be you know I I I would enjoy wearing the kilt where <laughs> you know with you know commando style I hope you do a I show get, in a kilt where I get the nice breeze going mm-hmm. you know I could do that you could probably I use could a kilt that. right now huh. Oh yeah, it's a little hot and sweaty in here. I'm getting, I'm getting the sweaty going. The sweaty balls. Yeah, yeah. But oh. I could use the kilt, you know. Yeah. For, and I, it'd be a little disgusting for you because you're sitting right yeah. across from me, and you'd, you'd see that. your balls but, all day. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, again, I think I'm, I think I'm Scottish. So what am I? <laughs> I think you're Cajun. I'm Cajun. Joli, please. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to brew a Cajun beer. Hey, Plissé is like a kind of Frenchish, isn't yeah, it? I, is it some sort of French? It's Frenchish. It's got some sort of French and Cajun. Yeah. Hey, Freedom has Fries. Like a, has, a, has a French <laughs> thing going on, you know? It's like a Cajun has uh, some sort of French roots mm. in there. Yeah. That's about as French as I get, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's French. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So what were we talking about? Were we talking about beer? We were talking about the NHC. Yeah. And... And 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 how glorious of an opportunity is if you can go and it's beautiful, yeah. right? Great Absolutely. brewers. Oh, and it's it's the most wonderful time. I I just love 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 that that uh, that conference. There's something really good to this rhyme. Five hundred home brewers in one room. What do you think? 
that's pretty good, right? <laughs> Is that a rhyme? That's a rhyme right there. Something like that. Hey, the, that makes you want to go, though. The uh, the chat, Sean Haggerty started, but everyone wants to con- congrat- congratulate both of you guys. Uh, 16 going forward for Jamil and 8 going forward for John in the first round. So everyone says that's amazing and, and good work. Huh? So, thank, thank you, you very much. Cheers. Lots of congrats yeah. coming through. We... Uh, just one. That's all we put, want. Put on, yeah. As long as there's one win in the second round, that's all it takes. <laughs> one third place, I'd be happy. Yeah. I just don't want to get shut out. Eight hundred dollars streak going. Entry fee later. I want to keep the streak going. You yeah. betcha. Yep. 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 Mm. Well, and uh, you know, by popular demand, we've enjoyed a few beers before the show. At least I have. You know, there's that bomber, arrogant bastard. Knocked did, that did off. Did you kill that? Uh, well, well, you and JC did. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, a, a pint of your uh, really nice uh, Munich Hellas there. Really good, too. Thank you. Now, who won the specialty beer category in this area? Eric Igard from Doe's got a first. Uh-huh. And uh, with, Eric Beer with, got a third. Yeah. Eric Beer did quite well. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He's up and coming. Oh, there you go. Yeah, look out. Yeah. So Dan uh, Sherman, too, ex Quaff member. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Now, yeah, Dan, come yeah. up. Yeah. He's a great brewer. He's a national judge, huh? Or certified or something. I don't know. I don't know. He knows his stuff, know. anyways. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, you know, if he's from Quaff, of course he knows <laughs> oh, what he's doing. My bad. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, what was the, the first place specialty beer? Because we're talking about specialty beers today. It was a, a Belgian Dark Strong spiked with Brett. Interesting. I believe, yeah. No, and he used a, a root of some sort. I don't remember what it was called, though. He dangled his root in there? He dangled his root in there. <laughs> He dry-rooted the, the beer? He used some adjunct of some sort that he added to the boil. He put his junk in there? He put his junk in there, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Had some little tang to it. You know. <laughs> put his tangy but, root in the beer. Cool. It's pretty. It's, it's fun to see a guy that's been only brewing for like eight months, 12 months. and Wow. Just going nuts with all grain, you know. Fantastic. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're going to talk about specialty beer. You want to give us a rundown of what what the specialty beer style includes? Well, this was by far the most challenging one to <laughs> to prepare for. Uh-huh. All I can say is it's unusual. Uh-huh. It's unusual, mm-hmm. and it's very, very unusual beer. <laughs> no. Well, uh, it, no, there's more. There's unusual techniques involved. There is mm-hmm. different. There can be. There, uh-huh. You could think of a different yeast strain for a different style, maybe a mm-hmm. Kolsch for a brown or something. Mm-hmm. Um Different types of household adjuncts. I mean, stuff that you might find in your kitchen mm-hmm. that you add to your beer, right. uh, cereal, or you know, mm-hmm. or oatmeal. Um, maybe a combination of styles. You could cross a lager. Maybe use a lager yeast for a double IPA. Sure. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's how uh, uh, like a dark IPA. How about that? Like, uh, you know, there you, you could add some uh, chocolate malt and IPA and make yeah. it, you know, make it a little dark. And um, what about like a dark lager or like a Czech lager or something dark? But that'd be a Schwartz beer then, wouldn't it? Yeah, pretty okay. close. Pretty close. Oh, yeah. The question is whether Czech dark lagers fit in the Schwartz beer category or not, or whether they're separate. Mm, right know. now, they're separate. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. A lot of those, I think, would be great Schwartz beer. Maybe a little, little bit hoppy sometimes. Okay. Right. And uh, but uh, you know that they're yeah, I, that would technically I think fall in the specialty category okay. right now. But base especially ales more mm-hmm. beers that. Don't fit in the style guideline, right, right? That they would actually be in the specialty category because mm-hmm. they're not into the guidelines. They don't right. fit in there. Well, they don't need to be really totally weird. They could be historic beers too. 
So, um, like, like sick, like that sacred herbal of brewing book with it. They use like sure, roots or sure. something or well, uh, uh, Jeff at, uh, golden city, Colorado. When we were out there for the uh, GABF, he had us taste a, um, a, uh, so it's a ghost, uh, G O S E. It's a, it's a beer made with like salt and coriander. It's like a German, beer style whoa and he uh, he had brewed one mm-hmm. and this is like a historic beer <laughs> that you know you, you just don't even hear about and there's you know it doesn't fit anywhere else in the style guy and he brewed one it was actually quite good and uh so that would be something that would fit in here uh if you're trying to um uh mimic a commercial example of a beer let's say uh, uh you were trying to make somebody was trying to make a um uh, God, I can't think of one. You're you're trying to mimic uh, some some beer, some odd beer that some brewery brews that doesn't fit in any style. What about like, and it's a well known beer, and you're trying to mimic it, uh, you know, clone it. That would be, uh, you know, in this. What about like a rye IPA? That would be a little weird. Uh, yeah, maybe a rye IPA would fit in there. It depends how much rye flavor there is. Oh, okay. Because if there's just a little bit, then it still fits in the IPA okay. category. Hmm. But uh, and also it can be a combination of things. It can be, uh, you know, you're adding fruit and chocolate, and you're adding, uh, you know, or you know, a combination of things that kind of knocks it out of the spicer vegetable category, or knocks it out of the fruit beer category. Mm-hmm. Generally, if you add like fruits and spices, then um, it tends to not be in either of those categories anymore. It tends to fall into the specialty beer, and that's the kind of the recipe we're going to go over tonight. Okay, it's uh, for a uh, Chocolate uh, um, stout with uh, cherries in it. Mmm, sounds good. So it's actually actually a pretty good pretty good beer. All right, so when we come back oh. from the break, short break, we'll uh, kind of get into that recipe. Cheers. Jamil Show. All right, we're back. We're talking about specialty beer. Mm, special. <laughs> exactly. Not the special that rides on the short bus. <laughs> the special that makes it, you know, an unusual beer, like John was saying. Right. Very unusual. Something that doesn't fit, you know, kind of the typical categories. Or, you know, uh, it may be beers have been brewed for a long time, but, you know, they're not in the style guide, so they fall under specialty, like that, that salt and coriander beer I was telling you about. It actually tasted pretty good. I, I got a commercial example of that from Germany. I'm kind of off track again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, from Germany, I got it shipped out from Germany. I'm going to take it out there, and Jeff and I are going to give it a try uh, alongside his beer there when uh, I go for the... the the conference for the NHC. Nice. I tell you, if you have a chance to NHC, go, go, go. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll all be at, John will be out there, Justin will be out there, I'll be out there. Go for the beer, at least. G- Going to be fantastic, yeah. Mm. And if you happen to see us, and you don't want to spit on us, at least say hi. <laughs> we'll spit on ourselves. You spit on Justin. Yeah. Uh, he's used to it. I can spit on, too. <laughs> on purpose? <laughs> Kinky stuff. Yeah. Oh, uh, all right. Disgusting. Back to beer. All right, back to beer. All right. So, uh, especially beer. The the 
real key to brewing a specialty beer is that in any of these things, you were talking about unusual ingredients, right? The the thing is, it still needs to be a good beer. So if you want to add, you know, cherries and chocolate to a beer, it's still, it, it must be, you know, in this case, a cherry chocolate stout, it must be a good stout to start with. Right. If it's not, you can't fix it up by throwing a bunch of other crap in it. It doesn't make a good specialty beer. Right. You, you know, you can't take your failures and turn them into great specialty beers. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, you might mask some stuff and maybe it turns out okay, but it'll never be a great specialty beer. A great specialty beer is designed from the beginning to be a great specialty beer. Have a great base beer. You you preach exactly. that you preach that from the beginning. Well, and when we we're talking yeah. about fruit beers, same thing. You're saying, yeah. you know, I, I don't taste a lot of great fruit beers. You know, they're trying to fix crappy. it with the fruit. Exactly, they're yeah. trying to hide stuff. It's yeah. like you know, designed it from the very beginning. Right. And uh, one of the things you generally need to do with any of the the beers where you're adding, uh, where you're trying to make them like a dessert. In this case, we're trying to make this beer like a dessert, and that's one of the things, you know. If you're not cloning a historic style and you're trying to make something that's, you know, got all these, you know, cherries and chocolate in it, uh, you're trying to, in this case, mimic like a Black Forest cake. You know, Black Forest cake, it has like a chocolate Mm -hmm. uh, cake and it's got cherries and, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're trying to mimic those flavors. And what is it about desserts that you could say about all desserts generally? They're balanced. Or they tend to be sweet, too, right? Well, that, yeah, but... So... One of the things you need to do when you're making one of those kinds of beers mm-hmm. where you want the drinker to think of these desserts is make them a little bit sweeter. Hmm. So you back off on your IBUs. If you have a good uh, foreign extra stout recipe, let's say, and you're going to use that as the base beer for this uh, you know, chocolate cherry stout, and you're in like 45 IBUs, maybe you cut that down to like, you know... Uh, 35. 35, okay. You know, and, uh, you know, you go with that. You know, you kind of knock a few IBUs off. Generally, 10 to 20% fewer IBUs is that, in, in a style. Is that because they clash with adjunct additions? I mean, do they take away from a well, fruit or? It, it tends to cut that sweetness. Oh, it's And you a, want a little bit of sweetness in there. Right. Not a lot of sweetness. Um, you know, it's a balancing act. You still hmm. want it to taste like a beer. If you get rid of all the bittering, it's not going to taste like a beer. You know, so you have to be careful. You know, it's kind of balancing. Again, you know, 10 to 20% j- tends to be about right on all the beers. Okay. Um, there are some who that won't, like uh, IPA. If you're trying to add fruit to an IPA, yeah. it doesn't work. Right. You know, like we talked about that, too, the pineapple IPA. Yeah. <laughs> really doesn't work. Yeah, because, you know, the bittering yeah. and all that, you need to pick styles that are more balanced mm-hmm. and then knock them down 10 to 20% on the bittering. And then you can add, you know, your fruits, your uh, your chocolates, your things like that. Now, do you recommend that for all, like, styles other than a stout? I mean, if you wanted to do, like, I don't know, a, a cannabis lager of some sort. Right. And, and you, would you back off your... That would be an herb beer. I an think. herb beer, okay. Yeah. Or, um, but, you know, kind of, kind of the same thing. But, you know, in that case, I don't think, um, you know, I don't think I would make an adjustment just because... Uh, you know, it depends on the, the spice that you're adding and the herb that you're adding. Sometimes you want, um, it depends on what you're trying to mimic. Okay. Because one of the things I suggest is if you're uh, starting, um, you know, with a concept, and uh, on most of these beers, I like to look towards foods. Hmm. You know, uh, if you look towards, uh, you know, like you're trying to make an apricot pie, you know, what beer gives you some of those, you know, uh, 
pie type flavors, those you know toasty, you know weedy type right. of flavors that the crust has. Right, with a little bit of sweet that's slightly sweet, and then you know some apricot flavor in there. Yeah, you know maybe you go with like an apricot, you know American wheat. Yeah, right. You know make okay. it a little sweet. You know something like that. So, but apricot colch. Right. So if you have like a cannabis lager, it's like, well, I think that kind of goes off in a different direction. Okay. You know, that's that's along the spiced type of uh, beers. If I want to add rocks to my beer, would I reduce my bittering hop by 20, 25% or? No, I don't think so. (laughs) Although, if you're making like a Stein beer, which is uh, where they heat up the rocks and they add it to the the wort, and it's kind of like an Oktoberfest made with, by heating up rocks and using that to do the mash and the boil. Yeah, the step mash. Okay. Uh, The rocks get caramelized. Oh. And then, um, uh, so it adds some caramelly flavors to it and kind of, you know, sweetens up the beer a little bit. And that transfers to the boil. So if you're trying to do that without the rocks, then, you know, maybe you'd sweeten it up or add a little more crystal malt or something. Mm. So, yeah, you know, just keep in mind that those those things are in there and, uh, and, and what your final balance is going to be. But balance is definitely the key. Absolutely, right. and and sometimes you need a sweeter balance, or sometimes you need a, a drier, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a hoppier balance. And in this case, since we're making kind of a dessert type beer, mm-hmm. we're going to want a little sweeter. I know a lot of home brewers that start out home brewing that the novelty of like I can add anything to this, mm-hmm. and I can make something like beer. Mm-hmm. They go crazy. They just go through their kitchen and they start adding stuff. Yeah, I mean, exactly. they're making yeah, beer, right. but they're not making. They're probably not making the best beer, but right. that freedom is great. Right. No, that's that's an excellent point. Yeah, the uh, you know those those new brewers, you know, they're they're unconstrained by you know the whole style thing, which is good. You know, you don't you don't have to brew to style. It's understanding the styles I think helps, but you don't necessarily have to do it. It's um, you know, you just uh, enjoy what you're doing and. Brew beer. Uh, you know, yeah. And if you want to throw weird things in there, you know, definitely uh, go ahead. Uh, but, you know, again, the best specialty beer is going to be, you know, designed. You know, it's going to be, you know, planned out. Mm-hmm. It's going to be brewed multiple times until you get things quite right. You know, just, just exactly as you need them to be. And you probably have to with this type of beer, or this category at least. Yeah, and you know, the one of the real tricks on this is uh, getting the right cherry character. The cocoa is really easy. You can buy a, uh, a half-pound can of a Hershey's uh, cocoa powder, not the sweetened kind, the unsweetened baking kind of cocoa powder. Uh, I use Hershey's because it has the least amount of fat in it, and it's got a really nice flavor to it. Why Why do you focus on the fat? I mean, does that well, affect? the fat affects you know the head retention things like that. Okay. You know, it, and you know if it's, I think most of them are okay. Right. Really, not a big deal. Um, you, I've heard people say, "Oh, use the Dutch chocolate," and this was I was told when I started out, use Dutch chocolate. <laughs> and the problem with the Dutch chocolate is they they do some sort of uh, alkaline type of thing to it. I can't really remember, but it's slightly more bitter. And I don't know. It just it's and they're like, oh, you know, it's much more flavorful and aromatic. No, 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 no. Good old Hershey's, you know, go with that. Unsweetened. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's fantastic. You can get it almost anywhere. Any grocery store mm-hmm. tends to have it, and uh, you use like a full can for every you know five gallon batch. Okay, it makes it like a chocolate sludge so in the beer. Is your hazelnut porter that more beer sells, especially beer? Uh, no, no, it isn't. Why not? It used to be. Why is it not now? Uh, the style guides, uh, currently, what they, they include the use of nuts in, uh, the spice herb vegetable. So, chocolate and nuts. The spice beer. Would be a spice beer. No way. Yes. 
Yes, way. Way. Yes. <laughs> and so, um, uh, yeah, so it actually falls in that. Fair enough. So, um, it's good beer. Yeah, and that falls in the spice herb vegetable. So a lot of these beers that used to be entered as specialty now fall in the spice herb vegetable. Okay. They've broadened that category and more narrowly defined this one. So generally, it's when you have fruit and a spice herb or vegetable together, together okay. it ends up in this category now. Okay. Other than the historic and you know right. things like that. Um, anyway, I, so the, the chocolate, the chocolate sludge. Yeah, we, in the chocolate hazelnut porter, we use that that chocolate yeah. as well. I, I just thought I should let you know that I always tell customers that if you want to brew a great porter, right. don't add the hazelnut or right. the chocolate for that matter. Right, right. Yeah, it'll turn out to be a be great a porter. porter. Exactly. Yeah. You, and that's an excellent point. You want to start out with a base beer that is an excellent example of style. Um, you know, adjust it a little bit for you know bitterness, and then you know go for it from there. And you might tweak things up or down a little bit here or there, but right. generally that gets you right in the ballpark. And if it doesn't taste like a good beer, then you know forget the specialty editions. It's not going to be that great. But uh, the the tricky thing on this, so the chocolate's easy. You, yeah, you, you sure. dump it in at the last minute of the boil, and it, so it kind of gets dispersed throughout the the uh, wort. You ferment it, and then you want to leave that chocolate sludge in there as long as possible. Let the beer sit on the chocolate sludge. If you rack it to get off the yeast. Take a bunch of that chocolate sludge with you. You know, you want to. You want the longer the alcohol in the beer contacts the chocolate sludge, uh-huh. the better chocolate flavor and aroma you'll get. Why is that? Uh, uh, the alcohol apparently astra- extracts it. I would think you'd get it just from the heating and the wort and water, right? And uh, dissolving and well, and you know that you know logic would tell me that, but experience tells me that it must have something to do with the alcohol or just long contact huh. times. Now, I assume the powder is it fermentable? Uh, there is some natural sugar to it, I think. I don't know. It adds some tiny amount of uh, fermentability. Right. You know, a small amount. Um, But the real tricky thing on this is cherry. Okay. Anything with cherry is actually quite tricky. Raw cherries or concentrate? Any kind of cherries. Any kind. Because the problem with cherries is if you get enough cherry flavor in there, it tastes like cherry cough syrup. Especially the cherry extracts. Yeah, you don't want NyQuil in the beer. Right, <laughs> right. Tastes like cough syrup. The, the, the extract, the cherry extract it's is horrible. horrible. Yeah, exactly. It's so bad. Exactly. It's so bad. <laughs> right. Uh, At, and we were talking like the uh, last show or two about products you wouldn't carry. Cherry, cherry extract, extract right yeah. there. Um, you know, if you use a very slight amount, maybe that would be okay. Yeah. But what I like to do, and the problem with uh, you know regular cherries is, uh, the cherries, at least in the, the United States, are all grown for um, generally for um, sweetness and like a mild flavor and all that. And they're not good, you know, brewing cherries like the Charbeeks and the the sour. The, the, there's a couple others that are used. You, know, you might use more like pie cherries for that. But what I like to use, I like the Oregon fruit products mm-hmm. in the can. Uh, you know, they separate out all the seeds and stuff, and it's um, that's you know, a puree, like right? yeah, the puree. Yeah, mm-hmm. Oh, it's fantastic! Mm-hmm. Any other products are fantastic for that. And I'll use the the cherry uh, for this beer, and uh, if that doesn't turn out to be enough, um, I'll use uh, like two cans in five gallons. Yeah, I think it's a three pound container is good. Right. It's 
for just, three yeah, gallons, right? Just a touch over, yeah, three pounds. Yeah. So he's like two cans of it. For five gallons. Again, this is a dark beer. Right. This is kind of a, a beer with robust flavors. So mm-hmm. you actually need to use a little bit more fruit in something like this. If you were doing the same thing, if you're making a cherry chocolate uh, cream ale or Hefeweizen. Or Hefeweizen yeah. <laughs> which would be really disgusting. Um, you would use probably half as much fruit. Because you have to overcome that steep hill of the roasted yeah. and all those flavors in there. And it's going to take a lot of fruit flavor to overcome that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to use like six pounds of cherries in, in a five-gallon batch. And when are you adding this? Uh, secondary. This is the only time I really do secondary. Oh. So that, and if if the cherry flavor isn't quite enough at the end... After, after fermentation, after fermentation uh-huh. you're in the keg, you're you know you're ready to put in your bottling bucket, and you taste it, and you go, God, I can't really taste the cherries, or yeah, I kind of taste cherries in there, but it's kind of muddled with the background. One little trick here is to take like some acid blend and add just a tiny bit of acid blend to sharpen up the flavors, because yeah. most fruit flavors we tend to identify fruit flavors when they have kind of a more uh, acid type of character. Right. Most of the fruits actually have quite a bit of acidity to makes them. It brighter, right? Yeah. And it, exactly, yeah. it, it makes it brighter, like mm. you're saying, and kind of lifts that flavor out. And then all of a sudden, you you go, oh yeah, cherries. Hmm. So you might try that. It's almost like a wine. Sometimes yeah, Sometimes you add acid exactly. to give the aromatics will come out more. Right, right, right. right. And and it, it just across the palate, it really livens things up. Is that pH? Yeah, I'm, it's, it's mean, having a little bit of a tartness to it, you know, that we tend okay. to identify as fruity, I think. Okay. But if you're, I mean, you have dark malts now in your beer, mm-hmm. and those tend to lower pH, right? Right, right. The same, now, the same sort of thing same, as the acid does. So if you're adding the fruit, mm-hmm. and they're getting in there, now if you're right, adding the a little fruit bit of acid. fruit tends to have acid to it, and some so, fruits are very acid. So it's all this balance going on. Right. Acid. Sometimes it may not be enough, you know, and, uh, and so that's why you want to add just a, a touch of... Uh, maybe an acid blend to it, just you know, very subtle. You know, the, you know, be careful, and uh, you know, d- gently uh, ramp that up and see if that doesn't do it. Um, the other thing you can do is, as a as a touch, just a slight bit of cherry extract you can add. If you if you really show restraint, I wouldn't add more than say, maybe like a half ounce of cherry extract in a five gallon batch of beer. Yeah, that's more than enough. Yeah, that's probably Don't plenty. even add it. Right. Ugh. Half ounce, quarter ounce, just enough to kind of add a little aromatic cherry note. Because right. the thing about that, aroma. that yeah, that cherry extract just adds a lot of aroma. Mm. If you're lacking aroma, you know, you add it with an eyedropper, not with, uh, not with pouring. You add it with an eyedropper. <laughs> and, you know, get yourself a, you know, measure out a certain portion of beer and put a, a drop in of the extract. Mm. Swirl it, smell it. And, you know, if a drop is enough, then you kind of, you know, yeah, you calculate up from there, add like three quarters of that amount to your entire batch. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you, you just, just a tiny bit. And uh, so that's if it's lacking like aroma. If it's lacking, you know, flavor, cherry flavor, I'd try the acid first. Okay. Because that will open it up a little bit more for exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of like you're saying on wines and yeah. stuff, tends to do uh, uh, some interesting stuff. There. Now is that can parade? That's pasteurized, right? Yeah, you can add so you it. Can right, add it directly. Exactly. Okay. You were asking when I would add it. So this is the only time on fruit beers and stuff like this. The only time I do uh, secondary. So I would let this ferment out until it's just about done, and then um, I would uh, uh, rack that to a secondary container on top of the fruit. 
Okay. And there's a letter ferment. Exactly. And it'll finish fermenting that, that the fruit sugars. All right. So we'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll get into the uh, guts of the recipe. Uh, especially beer. Talking specialty beers here, and we got a recipe for a uh, cherry chocolate stout. This is kind of based off of a uh, uh, foreign extra stout recipe, and uh, actually, I did well with my foreign extra stout this year. Yeah, yeah. I think you it's a place somewhere. Second or a third? Or? I don't know. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Second or maybe first? I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's in there. I know that. Yeah. Um, but. Th- Foreign extra stouts they tend to be pretty robust and mm-hmm. and stringent, right? And not stringent, but yeah. there's a fair amount of roast character coming. I through. mean, they are, but there's uh, some sweetness to them. Okay, and that tends to make the uh, ameliorate that that astringency mm. and make it a little more. I keep saying all the time, it's like adding sugar to coffee. Mm-hmm. You know, the coffee all of a sudden doesn't seem quite so uh, bitter. Know, bitter, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, and and it tends to make that that roastiness into kind of like a, a chocolateiness. So same thing, uh, kind of on the foreign extra stout. So in this recipe, uh, all these uh, you know are designed for you know your starting volume on a boil is like seven gallons. You're evaporating about fifteen percent an hour. You're going to end up with a uh, uh, six gallons in the kettle. You rack five and a half of that to your fermenter, and then you end up with five gallons of finished beer. That's how I do all my recipes. Uh, original gravity is going to be about 1071. Wow. It'll be 1075 once you add the fruit. Finishing gravity is going to be about 1018. And uh, it's going to have about 38 IBUs. Color is going to be about 3940 uh, SRM. It's going to have about 7.6% alcohol by volume. And uh, this is going to use... Uh, your if you're extract brewer, you can use pay, English pale ale uh, extract, the English uh, malt extract. You can use about ten pounds. If you're an all grain brewer, you're gonna uh, instead of that, you're gonna use about thirteen point nine pounds of British pale ale malt and mash at one hundred and fifty two degrees or sixty seven degrees C. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> just one quick question: mm-hmm. are the recipes that you do give are these calculated at a certain mash efficiency? 70%. 70, okay. Right. I just want to make yeah, sure. Okay. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, and uh, me being the, the hoe that I am. Yeah. You find all these recipes in the upcoming book, Brewing Classic Styles. Yep. 80 By award, John Palmer. And, 80, oh, and I, I actually have the title now. It's Brewing Classic Styles, 80 Award-Winning Beers Anyone Can Brew. Nice. Or 80 award-winning styles, anyway. 80 award-winning recipes anyone can brew. Yes, by uh, yours truly and uh, John Rock Candy Palmer. Nice. And uh, when's that come out? That'll be in stores <laughs> next year, <laughs> this fall. This fall, really? This fall. Yeah, no, I submitted the manuscript uh, May first or second, and uh, they should be in stores this fall. So I want a picture of you in like a carboy. 
Doing what for Carboy? <laughs> Fermenting He's the carboy. Or, or laying back on your back like you did. Enjoying you know, the carboy. Enjoy the carboy. Oh, yeah. me and the carboy yeah. together. I don't know. It'd have to be a big carboy. A big carboy. Big carboy. None of them little carboys. No, the better bottle not working for me. Yeah. I need I need like the full manly carboy. Uh, <clears throat> all right. So uh, the other grains. You're going to have uh, black roasted barley. 500 love. You're going to go with uh, three-quarter pound. Uh, or 340 grams. You're going to go with uh, your crystal malt, crystal 40. I like to use 10 ounces or 284 grams. Uh, crystal 80, 10 ounces or 284 grams. And then chocolate malt, a half pound or 227 grams. Sounds like a good stout. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and this, um, the, the difference between like a dry stout mm-hmm. and uh, foreign extra stout is, you know, uh, you can add a little bit of crystal malt to these. And that and that's pretty much the difference. Is just crystal malts. Just to give well, it a little no sweetness. No one is bigger. Is bigger. No, dry, uh, no, dry stout's real low okay. uh, gravity and okay. uh, high bitterness, and this is kind of kind of reverse. Uh, then uh, you're going to add a half pound or 227 grams of that uh, Hershey's cocoa powder. Uh, last minute of the boil, you just toss it in right there at the end, and uh, kind of let it uh, you know bubble around a little bit to kind of break up the clumps. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it'll form like one big brick yeah, and like fall to the bottom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so you need like a minute of, of boil there, and then uh, you uh, Kent Golding's hops. Uh, we're going to use uh, at five percent alpha acid uh, sixty minutes. You're going to use two point one ounces or sixty grams. That's going to give you about thirty eight point four IBUs using the uh, Rager formula. And you're going to use uh, White Labs WLP 013 London Ale Yeast or the uh, Y Yeast 1028 London Ale. Or you can use the uh, dry yeast, the Dan Star Nottingham. Oh, will do a, do a okay, uh, okay job with this. What do you think about that? Safale too, the 04? Uh, yeah, I think the Nottingham actually is a little more attenuative. Oh, okay. And in this beer, you need a little more attenuation, I think. So, um that's why uh, we would go with the Dan Star on this, sure. uh, the Nottingham. Uh, you want to ferment this at about uh, 67 degrees Fahrenheit or uh, 19 degrees C. And when that initial fermentation begins to slow, uh, you are going to, uh, you know, so the bulk of fermentation is done and it's starting to slow down. You're getting into like the, you know, one bubble. Every half a minute or three bubbles a minute, you know, it's kind of starting to slow down. Mm-hmm. You still want some active yeast in there, but uh, you go ahead and add your, you know, sanitize another fermenter. Add your your cherry, two cans of the Oregon fruit puree cherry. Add that to the fermenter, and then you rack your beer directly on there. Now you want to pull a bunch of that chocolate with you. You want the chocolate, yeah. Uh, at this point, as things are slowing down, there would be some dead yeast on the bottom and stuff like that. And you try and leave that and the hot bits and all that crud behind. But suck a little bit of that chocolate with you. The more of the chocolate you bring along. And actually, as it's fermenting, there should be a considerable amount of chocolate in there. Right. It should be a, a thick brown color right. uh, throughout. And it's almost like a chocolate sludge in there as, as it's actively fermenting. So where do you think the gravity is at this point when you're transferring, roughly? Like oh. How? Much good, good question. Uh, the bulk of the the fermentations happen. It's probably around, um, you know, ten twenty five. Okay. So it's got like definitely a, below ten thirty. Ten percent to go, roughly. Yeah, 15%. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Now, does that protect you transferring to a secondary? Because there's some CO two still in solution, and well, yeah, you'll get some CO two coming out when you rack the mm. secondary. I, I'm not too concerned about oxygen. Uh, 
you know, I've heard other people um, doing crazy things, and I wouldn't go wild with it. I'd you know rack gently, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know it'll generally be okay. If you want, you can go ahead and flood the carboy with some CO two uh, from uh, you know if you have a, a kegging system or whatever, you can uh, put a wand down there. And I'm sure my friend. Uh, uh, from Chicago, Ross can uh, uh, he would he would do uh, purge of the CO two. Yeah, he'd, he'd, he'd get through a whole bunch of CO two and sterile sanitizer. filtration. He'd probably have it all <laughs> sealed off and positive pressure. Yeah, uh, you know, the only person I still know that I would trust him to do my sanitizing for my 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 batches. Wow, I would trust him to handle all the steps, and I would be sure there would be no contamination whatsoever. Wow, that's a compliment. Yeah, I, I I I don't I don't know that I've come across anybody that I would I would say that of. Wow. Most people they're a little too slovenly for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm pretty I'm pretty pretty picky. And I think he matches my, uh, you know, I've I've gotten great respect for his uh sanitizing. Uh I think he went a little overboard on some stuff that didn't need to do, but you know, make- I'd rather you air that way than, you right. know. Um, I, I think he was making a little, little too much extra work for himself. We can definitely argue sanitation's second to fermentation, right? Or you know, yeah, or first for that matter, right? One or of the it's, two. it's. I always thought it's a really important part of fermentation. Yeah, you know, having clean. It's work. like setting, yeah, setting a proper environment. You know, yeah. oxygen, sanitizing. You know, healthy yeast, all that makes a big difference. Mm. Uh, all right, so you rack the beer on there, and then fermentation should pick up again, and the yeast is going to consume all the fructose that's in there in, in the fruit, pur- fruit puree. And uh, when you're done, carbonate that thing to about two, two and a half volumes, and it uh, should make a really nice uh, specialty beer. Now, does the fruit character go away over time? I mean, is it pretty rich up front, or does it mellow out after uh, three, four months? Yeah, that's a good question. Um you know, I can't say one way or another which it will always because it won't always do the same thing. It depends on the different beers. Now, some beers, you know, if they don't finish out dry enough, sometimes um, some of the sweetness will fade, and then um, sweetness tends to kind of mask or muddy the uh, the fruit flavors. And as it dries out, the fruit seems to come out more. Right. Uh, other beers, when it's already dry and all that, and you give it enough time, again, um, you know, the fruit, fruit flavor can drop, especially the aromas. Aromas tend to, it's interesting about aromas. I think aromas of anything tend to kind of, uh, uh, kind of, you know, fade over time. But bitterness changes too over time. Oh, substantially. So that could be. I mean, that might affect right, the right. balance of the fruit character later right, on, too. Right, right. I'll tell you, if you get a beer and it's too bitter to start with, um, <laughs> kill that moth. I'm going to get this on a bitch. No <laughs> bastard. <laughs> Coming through and screwing over in our shell. <laughs> okay, we're good. All right. <laughs> I'm sure this is entertaining for the folks yeah, at home. Please, we'll just take a break. Right. Right. <laughs> um what was I saying? Oh, bitterness. Bitterness, yes. Long over. You know, in in uh, you know just a few months, bitterness can drop substantially. You lose like uh, God. I used to know the numbers, and I cannot cannot recall them exactly for the life of me now. Uh, but I think it's something like eight percent of bitterness drops in like a month. Wow. And then you lose you know fifty percent of bitterness in like uh, 
a year or six months or something. It's this huge number. Huh. And I, it was an ASBC paper, I'm pretty sure, that uh, talked about bitterness levels dropping over time. Hmm. And they measured, you know, a couple of beers. And I'm sure, you know, it varies depending on the beer, but... Uh, I was surprised at it's a lot. Uh, it's a significant drop in bitterness. So if you have a beer that's really bitter, yeah, you can go put it <laughs> and away, for store a while. it, yeah, and you know the bitterness will drop and the beer will sweeten up a little bit. It makes it challenging for breweries to even bottle an IPA. Oh I mean, yeah, I yeah. mean, you, I would never want to bottle an IPA because of that. Right. Well, that's you know sometimes you'll have a beer. I know uh, for me, I'll have a beer. It wasn't exactly it didn't work out exactly as I wanted, and I'll you know. Set it aside, and, all and of a uh, you know, because I, I had nowhere to pour out my beer. Now I have Justin. Yeah, and uh, he's doing and so okay. So now it doesn't. Now it doesn't. You know, matter as much. But when I had had nowhere to pour out my beer, <laughs> I would uh, set them aside, uh-huh. and you know, like six months later, I go, "What's this keg?" And I taste it. I go, "Oh, that's really good." <laughs> and I bottle it up and enter it, and you know, it would do quite well. Yeah, and uh, then you wish you didn't give it away. Yeah, well, see, yeah, now I'm giving the beer away. I'm right. you know, pouring it down Justin, and, you know, it doesn't doesn't do me any good anymore. He's all smiles right now, too, looking at me. <laughs> I got one a couple weeks ago. He brought me a keg. Which yeah. one? Uh, Kolsch. Oh, lucky you. Well, it's a Kolsch I promised him, like, a year ago. Back too when, like, Dan Gordon was here. And, oh, wow. you know, yeah. I totally forgot about it. it was, I, I came across this keg. I'm like, what's this keg? It says Kolsch on it. Huh. Was I going to give this to Justin? <laughs> How was it? It was nice. Yeah. It was really nice. It wasn't Jamil's best beers, but that's what I expect now. Like I know that when Jamil brings me beer, it's because yeah. he thinks it sucks, yeah. and yeah, I'll I'm enjoy pour it, it out. But so. he thinks it's terrible, <laughs> so I never mind calling him. I think I wrote him an email. Hey, thanks for the beer. It's great. I think it's great. I also know it's not your best work. Hey, I got a strategy for you. You should bottle up all the beer he donates and put your name on it <laughs> and enter, enter it. it. <laughs> I do have a couple questions oh. from the chat for you guys. All right, you ready for those? Um, sure. One is about um, it's about your robust porter recipe, and it, it does have to do with the show because the person was thinking about taking your robust porter recipe and adding pumpkin spice to it. Um, so, a he was wondering, you know, does that mm-hmm. then make it a specialty beer? And the other thing um, was he wanted to know your opinion about would the spices just get overtaken by the roastiness of of that recipe? Those are two excellent questions. And the first answer, to the first is that uh, no, it'd be a spice or vegetable beer, or a, or actually a Christmas beer. They actually divided the spice or vegetable into just spice or vegetable and Christmas beers. I think it would f- fall under the uh, Christmas beer category fairly well. So either one of those. Um, and yeah, I think you know the you're definitely going to have a battle on your hand with the roastiness um, fighting those those spice flavors, but. You just need to up the spice flavor. And, you know, just, you know, th- there will be a point where it's perfectly balanced, and that's what you want. You want people to taste a robust porter and then, you know, like a nice uh, pumpkin spiciness that, you know, just marries with the beer. doesn't overwhelm the beer, um, but, you know, kind of blends in the background, but you notice it, you know, just that right level where, where you go, yeah, I could drink two pints of this versus... Most spice beers, and I think John said this on fruit beers. Over top. You know, it's like you, you can drink a little bit, and then you go, yeah, it's all right. But you wouldn't order two pints or three pints. You, any, the, the best beers, whatever style you're doing or style you're not doing, are the beers where you go, wow, you know, I'd drink three pints of that. I'd pay for, you know, can I buy five gallons of that? You know, that's that's the best beers. And then, you know, even with like a barley wine, you go, well... 
I'd drink four four pints if it wouldn't kill me. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so good. You know, crawl home. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. Okay, and then another question that came through, you guys had mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, you were talking about rye IPA. And then maybe if you used enough rye, it could be a specialty beer. So someone was asking, you know, how much rye keeps it a regular beer or, or makes well, it a specialty? Well, you know, is the flavor really prominent? Okay. Then it's uh, you know more of a specialty. If the flavor is kind of a background note, then it's still an IPA. Okay. That'll do it. Cool. Good show. Yeah. Yeah. All right. If you're if you're listening live, you get another show coming up next. What are you guys doing right after this? ESB. Okay. Extra special strong bitter. Okay, so a quick break, and we'll come back with the next show. Um, and those of you who are listening via archive, you get the ESB show in two weeks. You have to wait. Ooh. The beauty of listening live. Now, I wanted to ask, Is this? are we looking at this as being our new official time? Is that what we're trying for now, or are we still? This is our new this official time. Okay. This is our slot. So Monday nights. Come, come check out our slot. It'll be it'll be one Monday a month from seven to nine, and we'll just keep you posted. There you go. Enjoy our slot, <laughs> our time slot. I mean, oh, yeah. It's <laughs> show, my brother. Good show. All right. Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong. Yeah. Uh. Jameel Show has been a production of the Brewing Network. Please send questions for Jameel to Jameel at the Brewing Network.com. Jameel Show.